Welcome to Conversations in Time, a podcast brought to you by Joe Malone London and British GQ, discussing mental health and general well-being. Open conversations about real-life experiences affecting us past, present and future. Hi, I'm Adam Jamili, British track and field athlete. Hi, I'm Andrew Pozzi, uh, 110-metre hurdler. Um, and Adam and I have known each other for about 10 years now. And we're just going to have a little bit of talk about our sport and um, some of the, the mental health aspects that come into that. So um, how are you finding preparing in 2021 for your third Olympics now, isn't it, Adam? Yeah, it will be a third Olympics for both of us. I can't believe it. It's, um, it's crazy. And you're just saying 10 years. feels like I've known you for a lot longer than that. I feel like we, we've spent a lot of time together, got to know each other um, over a long sort of period of sport that sort of highs and lows um after we've seen each other um go through and stuff so it's a it's been a tough year i won't lie to you mentally we obviously speak a lot off the track and obviously now that's why we're recording <laughs> we're recording this talk a little bit about mental health that maybe the conversations that we do have um and it's been a tough year i think for a lot of sports people obviously what's going on in the, in the world is is crazy um a lot of pandemic a lot of sort of how do, how do you how would you say like a, a lot of Sort of negativity. I around think the world's just been turned on its on its head, isn't it? Yeah, you know, and that's why tough. I think a lot of the stuff that that we deal with, we've kind of, um, you know, everyone everyone faces uh, struggles all the time, but I think nobody's really experienced um, anything like the last eighteen months, really. And obviously, you know, in the world of sport, we we're no different. And you know, on top yeah. of that, there's been all kinds of you know economic impacts. The fact that training and racing's been so tough. Both of us obviously live abroad, um, you know, to, to focus on our training. So obviously that's been made, you know, really tough. And um, I think it's, yeah, I'm I just think really it's just the fact to... that the fact that we both, while we're doing track and field, it's the most important thing in the world. And literally like it takes over everything, it takes over your whole life. And for a period of time, that wasn't the case. And I sort of wasn't prepared for that. Like everything I was doing was leading up the way I was living, training on and off the track at home. And for me, that was the priority was, was gearing up towards the Olympic Games. And then a big pandemic came along and you sort of realised that's not actually priority. Sport is not everything. There's bigger things going on in, in the world. And, and that did take some sort of adjustment. And it was hard to sort of get out of that mindset that, do you know what, there's bigger things happening. And uh, obviously we train so hard and you sacrifice so much. But when people are dying every day around the world, um, you sort of have to sort of shift your mindset in a different in a different way um so that's why making making um preparations for this year were so difficult because the world was different we're no longer looking at it from the same way mm. and what what was your mindset i mean if we go back to obviously you mentioned about the olympics being cancelled we go back to 2020 um i can't even remember exactly what it was like april time wasn't it when it was cancelled yeah um but but what was your mindset around like maybe the last month because obviously before it did get cancelled we obviously you know there are loads of headlines people talking about how it that might well happen and obviously every day of like the last four years for us have been gearing towards this event so I don't think it's something we've spoken about before I'm actually really interested just to hear what the kind of like the month before it was cancelled and obviously you know COVID-19 was really becoming a big thing and then also you know what was your thought process when it was officially cancelled I was I was in a bad place. I'm not going to lie to you. Like I was, I was I was having such a good training block. I'd come off the back of a a decent year, and I was looking to build on that. Training was going well. I had no injuries. 
and it obviously you, coronavirus was a, was there and thereabouts, and people were talking about it, but it didn't really seem like it was was real. Or it was going to really like affect you in any way. And then that like as time went on, different events started getting pushed back and cancelled, and and like the Euros got pushed back, and and different sporting events, and they were always saying, "Hey, the Olympics is definitely going ahead. It's definitely happening." And you're as an athlete, you can only listen to that. So I was just trying to stay positive. You know me, I, I like to see the positives in everything. I like to to stay as sort of happy as I can. And then all of a sudden, within, I just remember waking up and, and then it just being confirmed. Like I woke up in Florida and and I had loads of messages and, and um, from the, because the UK obviously is awake just before I wake up in, in the US and loads of messages saying, oh, I'm so sorry, how are you feeling? Oh, what's going on? And I was like, what the hell's going on? Log on to Twitter. Yeah, the games is the games is um, the games is uh, being postponed, and I, my heart just broke. I, my heart sank, um, and that was very selfish of me. Obviously, what was happening in the world was 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 bigger than that. But for that moment, I was just like, I was so angry because I put so much work into to something. I was feeling the best I've ever felt, and to have that sort of taken away, it was tough mentally. I just sort of went into my, in, inside myself, and then it didn't obviously help with lockdown following soon after that we weren't allowed to leave our apartments we weren't allowed to sort of go out and socialize i was stuck in america by myself so i didn't have my family with me so it just i just needed a break from athletics i took a week off i just said to my coach i need a, a week to mentally reset and yeah he gave me that and the rest of my group that and we just sort of cracked on from it from there what about yourself how did, how did you find that sort of announcement and um, how did it affect you yeah, I think the the main thing, as you mentioned, was just like stress. And I think it's something that everyone can relate to because it was just such an unknown. Um, nobody nobody really had any clue what was going on. And I think if you remember, one of the first countries in the world, I mean, after China, obviously, um, Italy was one of the first countries to lock down. And that's where I trained. And I remember, um, you know, being on my laptop, kind of hearing that there was going to be this announcement and then when I, we were told that we were going to have a national lockdown, I was just a bit like, I just didn't really know what that meant. And then everyone yeah. else, you know, I was kind of talking to on, on WhatsApp and whatever, because this happened a couple of weeks before it, it happened in the, in the UK. And my friends were like, so what, you can't leave your house? And like, I actually have no clue. Like, I'm listening to this announcement yeah. in Italian, trying to figure out what's going on. I feel like we were um, in a bad movie or something, didn't it? It felt like we were... We were yeah, in it, the- it was so strange. Yeah, it was just bizarre. And I think... Um, you know, as you said, sport is, is not the most important thing, but I do think it's really important to acknowledge that aside from that, it's, it is our life, you know, since we were kids kind of 10 years old, you know, we've, we've obviously worked so tirelessly for, for this. Mm-hmm. So from that point of view, I think, you know, everyone, whether they're in, you know, music, sport, or just, just any, you know, normal way of life, if your whole life is kind of turned upside down, it, it's okay to say, to kind of be annoyed and to, to say, actually, this really affects me. And that's, you know, daunting, that's scary and, you know, and almost um, take a second to kind of evaluate what it means for you and how, how you're going to respond to it. So I think for me, um, you know, once the Olympics were actually cancelled, I was able to get back to the UK. Um, and initially I agreed with my with my coach that it would be, I think we said two weeks tops because he said, you know, <laughs> there's still probably going to be some kind of season. So we've worked really hard. You know, I'd gone that, in that indoor season unbeaten um so I was looking really good for it and um you know it was it was just strange so he was like we're still going to compete so come back you know take two weeks kind of mentally refresh yeah no problem and then I went back and then I was in the UK for over three months because there were no flights you know nobody could do anything yeah. um 
and and you just had to reassess priorities, didn't you? Um, you know, and just try and make sense of like what, what is. Yeah, like completely. I mean, yeah, I, I yeah. think you know, and you mentioned at the start, like it feels like we've known each other for longer than ten years. For for me, that's because athletics is such like a pressure sport, and it's such a twenty four seven existence. You know, everything is a lot more intense, and um, you know, when that's taken away, it's just like, well, well what does happen now? You know, because unless you've been through injury. Um, you don't really experience that. And at the same time, even when you do go through injury, you're focused on the, the task, um, you know, mm-hmm. recovering and, and everything else. For the first time, there was like no task. And yeah. I think the hardest thing for me was that there was no time schedule. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the first thing was was trying to comprehend that, okay, the Olympics that I've been working for for so many years uh, is, is now gone for now. We don't know if it's going to be put back on and, and that's strange, you know. Um and then it's just a case of, well, what do I do now? Should I try and train as best I can, you know, in case there is something, um, a season? But, you know, that, that's what I did. But actually, I used the training that I could do. I actually used that to my benefit, you know, in terms of um, my mental health because it gave me some structure, you know. And it wasn't we couldn't train on the track or anything like that. But, you know, we had a small gym in the house and I'd go and run on the fields and uh, and up the hills and stuff. And it was like that for me was being able to kind of break the monotony of like just being in the house all the time, you know? And yeah. I think I really felt for anyone who didn't have that, you know, it wasn't as structured as we'd known or anything like it, but I really tried to balance taking a, a bit of a mental break from the intensity of, of being an elite athlete training for an Olympics, but at the same time kind of drawing on, you know, my experience of training to give me some structure to try and keep, um, you know, some momentum going and like I had some kind of purpose. And, um, you know, that's that's really what I did in that period to, to get through it. And then obviously, as time went on, the whole sport, you know, even right now, like training, uh, sorry, competing this year has been so difficult. So, I, you know, we've just Everything's been constantly different, yeah. adapting. Yeah, like, you know, and, and obviously, um, you know, for us, our predominant income, you know, all comes from sponsorship, which all hinges on the Olympics. So, you know, there's been loads of changes around that. Can you kind of extend contracts? Do you lose contracts? You know, it's it really has just been um, obviously obviously very difficult, you know. And how, yeah. how have you found that period after, you know, the actual summer of 2020? It, 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 because honestly, obviously it we was... have to be back on the clock now. You know, the Olympics yeah, is, is like, back and we, we have to adjust it, again. Having that period of time off, it really made me evaluate a lot of what I was doing with my life. And it made me sort of get a bit of perspective about what what do I want to do for the rest of my life? Because I'm not going to be able to run. And it was it just felt like that. Every day I was waking up, I was and I wasn't there wasn't I wasn't able to do anything. I was trying to train, but it wasn't really proper and there was nothing really to train for. And it just made me think, there's gonna be a time in my life when this is gonna be the norm. I'm gonna I'm gonna I don't know what I'm gonna do. So I started, yeah, I, and I know we spoke about this a little bit when I started. Um, I started um, talking talking to you and you and Katerina a little bit about when I started getting a little bit of, of anxiety and I wasn't sleeping very well, and that stemmed from obviously feeling like I had no purpose coming towards maybe the top, the the, the later end of my track career, and then obviously what you said about worrying about the future in terms of like sponsorships, because that was a big thing for a lot of athletes is the fact that there was no track there was no olympics meant a lot of athletes i'd probably say 95 if not more percent of athletes ended up losing money or not being able to renew their 
sponsorship contracts or if they did sign something with a new sponsor it wasn't for anywhere close to what they were maybe on before and for me that that really i spent so many months stressing about that when maybe i didn't need to and because i was an athlete i just felt like do you know what like i've got to muscle this out and i've got to can't put that burden on other people and i try to just bottle it up and just and keep it inside of me and i probably that was probably the worst i'd probably say four or five months of my life that i've ever had i was in such a dark place and it just didn't feel like it was getting any better there was no light at the end of the tunnel and i know i, I remember being in dubai and, we, and i and i spoke to yourself and, and katarina and, and it was a bit I, I, and then i spoke to my parents and stuff about it and once i did finally share and with my my close friends um from home it got a lot easier but there was a bit period of about four or five months where I was waking up in the middle of the night. I was probably averaging about five or six hours sleep, which as a professional sports person, you can't do like, that's just not good because you're just not recovering. That's just my body started seen, getting it? tired, mate. It was, it was, it was terrible. And it was just, it was just, it was so hard to, to, to just get out of that anxiety. Like I said, I was just like, even if I felt like I was good and I was like, no, don't worry about it. Don't stress. When I slept, it, I would like wake me up in the middle of the night. I'd have dreams about stressing out about, oh, am I going to sign a new contract? Am I, is this sponsor, does this sponsor want me? Am I going to be able to support my family? Am I going to be able to support myself? Like, uh, yeah, there was just a lot of stress going on. Um, and it was mentally very, very tough. And like I said, it can be quite selfish when you think about what's going on in the whole world and people are dying. But for me, that was, that was what my life was and that's what I was living. So that was the priority for me. And, uh, and like I said, you know me, you know, I'm a happy person and, and I, and, the happiness will just i just couldn't get out of that state until i started talking mm. to people and sharing those experiences with them so it was yeah it was probably like i said the just, worst four or five months of my life and something i never thought would ever happen to me i think you know we feel a need to almost apologize for feeling that way because what we mm -hmm. do is in the grand scheme of the world is somewhat trivial i think we're both of that belief and we it's very important to us but it doesn't provides entertainment to the world, but it's not saving lives or anything like that. But I do think in this pandemic, the main thing is that everyone is losing jobs and, you know, athletes are no different. Mm -hmm. And people in the entertainment industry, I know right now are being incredibly badly hit. And I think one of the first things is, is to kind of stop apologizing because if you lose um, huge amounts of income or even your entire income, then that changes your way of life completely. And it's very tough as an athlete because there isn't very much security at all there's no job security, basically. You you show up and yeah. you compete. And if you do well, you can get paid quite well. If you don't do well, then you can lose everything in a second. And um, I think the hardest thing, obviously, was that the pandemic kind of collided with the fact that most people, as you said, like 95% of athletes were coming to the end of their contracts because that's how our sport works. It goes from Olympics to Olympics. So I think for me, like I... So I've obviously been in a new coaching setup for a couple of years. And like I said, yeah. up until the point of the pandemic, for me, everything was going great. And it was just the work that I've been doing with my new coach and, and all the sacrifices I'd made to, to come here and to do that were just starting to pay off. So I did feel more motivated, I think, the most to try and keep training because I didn't want to give up all the kind of progress that I've been making. And I think mm -hmm. I was also quite cognizant of the fact that um, – my contract or, you know, several of my contracts, but a vast majority of my income was coming to an end um, at the end of that year. And because of uh, the injuries I'd had the year before, 
for the World Championships in Doha, I wasn't in a really strong position. I was going into 2020 yeah. saying, right, I really need to perform well and compete and stay injury-free um, in order to kind of get things back on track. So I think for me, actually doing badly the year before because of injury, it meant that I was I was like hypersensitive to the fact that right now I'm in a really weak position with regards to um, sourcing new contracts or whatever. So one of the reasons why I kept training, like I said, was to have a bit of structure and to kind of help my own mental health and to deal with the, the pandemic. But also it was a case of, I felt very purposeful um, and I felt like I wasn't in a strong position and that kind of motivated me to just try and keep the progress going. Whereas I know for so many others who were in you know amazing positions and then the Olympics were gone, it was just like, what do I do? And it just kind of really took, you know, drained a lot from them. And um, I mean, it's, yeah. it's obviously tough. It's really tough. Super um, tough. I think going away from the pandemic, I think something that I always find really interesting, but probably don't, don't speak about so much is like, for me, there's loads of ups and downs generally. When you go through uh, a difficult period where maybe results aren't good or uh, all manner of things could be going wrong, but you still have to compete, do you do anything or do you have any kind of techniques that you use in order to try and recalibrate and, and to almost get out of that rut? Or is it something that you don't experience? You know, it might not be. No, I, th- I do. I do. I definitely do. And, and for me, I'm just reminded, uh, I work a lot on my psychology. I have done since I was sort of 18, 19 years old. I've realized that sport isn't just physical and life isn't just, it's, it's mental. The mental side of it is as important, if not more important. Um, to get right um, because if you're not mentally right you, you won't physically perform well and for me it was just mm-hmm. realizing that I have a choice what I'm, I have a choice with what I'm doing I'm committed to my job if I didn't want to do this anymore I don't have to do it I, I came from a football background and there was a time when actually I wasn't enjoying it I was at I wasn't I wasn't enjoying waking up and going to training and playing games and I didn't I stopped and I changed to track and field and it worked out for me and that's something I've always had in my life if, if I'm ever not enjoying something stop because i believe life is short you get one life and and yeah so i just sort of get a bit of perspective about what i'm doing and and i love what i do every day and i just try and remind myself about that every time i i step onto the track and if i'm feeling a little bit low and i'm feeling like i don't want to do this it's like it's my choice to be here no one's forcing me to be here so if i'm going to be here i'm committed to my job and someone a a psychologist like i said once reminded me it's, it's a bit like a heart surgeon um he might wake up one day and be really tired and really, really not bothered. He can't be bothered to do his job and he's just not motivated. But he has to be committed to his job, otherwise people die. And it's not quite that level of intensity that we that we work on in track and field. But <laughs> like it's the same sort of mindset. It's like even you're committed to what you're doing because you're doing it as a job. And if you don't want to do it, do something else. Obviously, I'm not a heart surgeon. No one's going to live or die. But if you can get into that mindset and that mentality... Um, for me, I just found that helped me out so much. What about yourself? With when you feel that sort of that sort of in that rut, what is there? Some, maybe you don't feel like that, but what what do you sort of feel like is the best technique that's worked for you? I think what you said. I mean, it, it definitely applies to us that it's a choice, um, you know. And I think that that's that is a really you know good thing to kind of come back to that actually it's a difficult moment or a difficult period, but you know ultimately we're we're kind of working to get back to you know doing what we love i think for me um you know there there's definitely moments or stints when particularly you know when other things off the track as well are, uh, are not going very well 
I think it becomes much more difficult to stay focused. And, you know, I think you made a really good point about, you know, talking about physical being one side and mental another. And I think the way I often see it as an athlete is that, you know, the physical side kind of like sets you up to do a job, but actually if, if the mental side isn't strong or isn't happy, then you're, you're just not able to kind of show that, that physical side. For me, it's almost a bit of a key to kind of unlock, you know, Absolutely. your performance from a physical point of view. Um, and I think and people me, expect I it to happen. Really they, they, they expect it to happen, but they expect people expect that mental side to just happen. They don't want to work at it. They just think it will just happen. I'll turn up and I'll physically be good, but mentally, uh, yeah, it will just happen. And it doesn't. You have to work on it. Yeah, for sure. You know, because we get challenged in so many different ways. So we might be really mm -hmm. good at responding to, to one challenge, but then something completely out of the blue comes and it's like, you know, are you, a, you know, are you able to kind of be resilient to that? And I think the main thing that I've learned over the years is that when things are, are going badly or mentally, you know, you're in a bit of a rut, I almost try and just completely break the cycle. And almost uh, for me, if I'm kind of lacking inspiration or I'm, um, you know, unhappy or I'm feeling, you know, burnt out or whatever, um, in the past, I would try and keep training really hard, keep trying to compete if that's what was on my schedule. Um, mm -hmm. But then the only problem is I found that I just really struggled to to perform well because I just didn't, I just didn't care. You know, I just, I just felt, like I said, you know, burnt out, I suppose, is, is one expression. Um, so what I've kind of learned now is that it's much better to break the cycle as soon as possible, you know, and, and pull out of a race or pull out of an engagement or whatever for your own mental health, you know, because ultimately you're unlikely to do a good job at anything if you're really struggling mentally. So it's a case of, um, okay, you know, this isn't happening to me right now. So I'm almost going to take a step back from that I'm going to do the things that I enjoy that kind of make me um, happy. And then I'm going to obviously realize, you know, that this is my choice and it's what I enjoy doing and, and get stuck in again, because I think there's a huge tendency in all walks of life that it's, you know, it's a bit of a domino effect when something goes badly and you're in a bit of a bad mood or you're struggling, you take that into the next thing that you're going to do. And then the problem just yeah. compounds and you kind of get worse. And, and sometimes I've really tried to like chase a good performance because I know I'm in good physical shape, but you know, I'm, I'm, a, a bit frustrated or a bit annoyed or you know things aren't going so well um and then that frustration just leads to kind of like more problems and i found that actually trying to chase it is is not the way forward and it's almost best to kind of take a step back recenter yeah, more of, pressure and you know, get some balance back yeah it's it's a real it's a real tough one and um i think also i, I acknowledge and i understand far more now that literally the, a huge difference can come in like a couple of days i mean i remember back in um in 2018, uh, when I won the World Indoor Championships and the race I did before in, in Glasgow was absolutely horrific and I got blown out. I was beaten over 60s, you know, which is a huge margin uh, by over a tenth and a half, you know, by people that I was about to be racing out of the World Championships a week later. And for me, I just knew that I was really off. Like I didn't want to be there at that time. And, you know, it, it wasn't my... I don't know. I just wasn't, I just wasn't feeling inspired when I was there. I just wasn't so happy. And, you know, instead of thinking, do you know what, I've got to go back and train and do all this stuff. You know, I understood <laughs> that it wasn't a physical thing. It was, it was purely mental. Um, and I just felt, and then look what happened. I was coming back from injury. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and I mean, that's the point. Boom, like, do you know what champ. I actually did? <laughs> um, <laughs> this is so strange to, to say as an athlete, but I remember, I think it was on like a, on a Sunday. It was definitely the weekend, Saturday or Sunday. And literally on the Monday, I was like, right, you know, I spoke to my coach, said, okay, I, you know, I'm not going to train. I'm going to come in Tuesday and then we're going to be, you know, I'm going to refresh first. 
I don't want to jump straight in. And I literally just went and sat down and um, went through at the time, you know, where was the, uh, like my favorite burger place nearby where I trained. I had a burger and a beer and literally just sat there and was just like, right, everything's fine. I know that, you know, I've trained really well all winter. Um, what happened, you know, at the weekend is, is a moment in time. It's not, you know, it, it doesn't define where I'm at right now. It was just a bit of a rough one. And I'm really looking forward to the weekend. I've worked really hard for it. And I'm not going to take, you know, the kind of the frustration and the, you know, the, the bad performance in the weekend into um, into next week, you know, everything's fine. And, and, and I kind of knew that. And then, as you said, you know, six days later, I ran significantly faster, you know, I ran 10th and a half better um, and ended up, you know, winning the world championships. And, and if you look at the, the two races, it's like I'm two different people, but that's yeah. the kind of the huge impact that, you know, your, your kind of mental approach to things can, can really have. And, you know, I'm just so thankful that in that moment, I kind of had the clarity to say, Do you know what, I'm just feeling, you know, a bit, bit frustrated mentally and a bit burnt out. I'm not going to lose my mind. I'm not going to think I have to do tons of training in the next week or it's all over, you know, nothing like that. It was just that brief kind of like recalibration and just to take a couple of days for me was all I needed. Do you ever struggle with the criticism that comes from spectators and fans? Because obviously I think nine time, nine people out of 10 are always positive when you, when you run, but if you don't have a good performance and you don't, you don't maybe run to your best, how have you ever obviously we've both been in this sport and and we both went to london 2012 at young ages and um got maybe a lot more publicity than than maybe maybe asked for we didn't maybe expect the the publicity to happen like it did in at the home i mean Olympics. we were kids right like we, yeah, we had we were, no anticipation of what level it would be at you know we'd done junior competitions that had never <laughs> been on tv really you know had never kind of gained any insight and then our baptism, as, as it were, to elite sport was London 2012, which <laughs> the home I mean, in itself, <laughs> like, yeah. is mind-blowing. Yeah, it's Bloody absolutely hell, crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, I think for me, I, I think I generally I've been really fortunate. I haven't had a huge amount of of massive Negative. criticism, to be honest. Or, or yeah, yeah, or maybe I've kind of, I think, I think you've had it worse than me. I think certainly, you know, with being part of the relay and having kind of the only team yeah. event um as well in the sport i think generally i've been quite fortunate i think there have been some times um and i'm usually quite defiant to be honest i kind of um don't get too taken over by it because yeah for me it always just goes back to like there's there's the whole belief it's like right you can do what i do so therefore i'm not going to listen to you but for me the main thing is you don't know the circumstances around this um, yeah. So therefore, you're you're coming up with an opinion based on 13 seconds of what has been like a two month long, pro you know, problem or. Well, yeah. Well, um, a boy, you could even say like a ten, like ten month, a ten month pl a plan for the year, like a ten month training plan, and people see, let's say, the ten or the twenty seconds offer you thirteen seconds of of work, and they feel like they can judge you on that when they don't see all the hard work. Like no athlete goes out there to try and and doesn't want to perform their best. No athlete goes out there and doesn't want to really perform and, and run a PB and, and win. Um, so then when yeah. that doesn't happen, you open yourself up to a lot of criticism and negativity. And like I said, you, I've had it probably a lot more than you, especially around 2012 when myself and, and another athlete, we, we dropped the bat. Well, we didn't even drop the baton, which is even worse, but that's what people, everyone always says, but we messed up the relay 
And most people mm. were nice, but then you really... I did receive a lot of hate. Like, And I was 18 years I, old. I, remember, I was the youngest yeah. on the athletics team. I'd just come into the sport. Like, I was so new. I wasn't like I wasn't a footballer. I wasn't getting paid stupid money every week, and and I could just go back into my big mansion. I was I, I lived at home with my parents, and I went home, and and I just and you search and you search your name because you because because it, it's the the thing that you do when you're young, and and you just see all this hate, and and it's really really tough to deal with, especially as a young athlete. It makes you hard and resilient, um, but yeah, at that time it was really really mentally tough to to sort of. These people didn't know me. That's what, for me, these people didn't know me. They didn't know how much hard work I'd put into it. Yet from one 10-second race, they judged the me. Event. Yeah, and they did, they know, felt like they could, like you could get know, judged. And Like the 4 by one is one of the most technical. It's, you know, it's at such high speed and the margin is so small. And unfortunately, you know, at, at that moment as well, like I don't think... Um, you know, you and Danny had, had done loads together. You're both quite new on the team, but, you know, we're doing yeah. amazing things. And unfortunately, you know, it happens to all teams. Like, there's not been a team that hasn't struggled, you know, with, with the dynamics of changeovers and everything else. It's technically so incredibly tough. Um, and then you've got people that kind of know nothing about it, know nothing about you. So a kind of, you know, literally just... I mean, I don't the really sofa experts. You know, know if they know what they're... Yeah, kind of. And, you know, for me, I feel like I'm always quite happy. If a, if a performance is bad, I don't mind people saying that. Unfortunately, you know, I came to I terms with that a long time ago that yeah. I'm completely fine with that. I think the thing that really frustrates me is when you almost get people, as you say, don't know you, that almost become like amateur psychologists and they're like, oh, you know, wasn't focused or wasn't this or whatever. And it's like... I. You know, you couldn't be you less know what you're talking to, about. to give this opinion. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one thing to say like that was, you know, I don't want to swear, but yeah, that was terrible or whatever, you know, and and say that for me that comes with the job to some extent. It doesn't make it enjoyable, but objectively, you know, that's that's fine. But it's when people, you know, start kind of commenting on on your character, or for for me actually, I'll be honest, I get more wound up if they do it to people that I know and like yeah. my friends. So, for example, you know, when you've received stuff. It's it's bothered me far more than it does about myself. I kind of show off quite happily, but I some you know get wound up when I know that someone who I who I know and I like and you know everything else is getting really unfair treatment that really to heart. And then mm-hmm. you you know obviously I do know what goes on behind the scenes and and how much work is involved and everything else. And that's one thing that um, you know I struggle with more is feeling this kind of like injustice that you know, uh, uh, what's going on. I think that for me has always been a bit more difficult, but, you know, I mean, I mean, the main thing with our sport as well is like, it's so incredibly fickle, you know, from, from, all so ends, from you're not wrong. And a lot of the time sponsorship, you know, uh, whatever. I think when you're doing well, I think it's, of it as it's like flavor the of the month. wonderful sport in the world. Yeah. Completely. Like there's yeah, I think you one, one, one year you can be completely you on fire. Everyone's loving you. People are all over you. And you, the next year you might get hurt or you might not be performing at that same level. And then there's always someone else to come in and that will take that position of you. Like it's, you're so much the flavor of the month. And it's, that's why it's so difficult to be at the top for so long. And f- like for us, we've been making teams since we were 18, 19, and we've regularly been, been on GB teams and, and pushing the world's best, running fast times, making finals, challenging for medals. Obviously you winning your, your world title, um, Myself, I've won Europeans and and I've run sub ten and sub twenty. Like I'm, I'm. It's, it's, 
it's very difficult to do this sport at the top level for a long time and be consistent with it. And that's maybe what people don't understand and don't see. And, and it's, I think it's just important that you surround yourself with good people. And that's what we, I think we've both done. And we like, there's not a big, I wouldn't say in our, in track and field and especially in the GB team, like we've, we get on with everyone, but there's probably a handful mm -hmm. of people that we we're really close to. And I think that's really important that you've got people around you to, to obviously lean on for support, but also there to, to make sure you stay humble as well and keep your feet on the ground. Like <laughs> you're no superstar just because you win the world championships or the Olympic games, or you're, uh, <laughs> you have to stay humble and still, still, uh, still be, uh, keep your feet, keep your feet firmly planted. So, um, I think that's very I important to surround it. yourself with nice people. And yeah. It's about trying to keep balance and context, both when you do badly and actually when you do well as well, because, you know, I think the people around you that that obviously, you know, care about you, but also do understand what's going on. They're the people that can stop you from getting too low if something goes badly. And they're also the people that can, as you said, stop you from going too high and getting carried away when when things are going well. Um, you know, and, and you need those people because they they do understand. But I think there's very few people in our line of work that can really understand and relate to you know, the things that we're going through because it, it's just such a surreal life and it's such a, a, a different life compared to, you know, the one that I'm sure we're going to live when, when we retire in the future and stuff. And it, can, it can be um, very lonely. Yeah, completely. Spend, I mean, it's, you spend a lot of time in individual sport, right? Yeah. And the, I think the other thing is, is that you're always so exposed um, because, you know, you're out there alone on the track. Um, you know, once you get to the start line, there's nobody else with you. You know, you, you have to do it very much in isolation, which is wonderful. And, and I really enjoy it. And particularly when it goes well, you know, you get to glory hog as well. Right. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, there are lots of challenges along the way whereby you have to do that alone. And, you know, we, we obviously have people that uh, we keep very close and support us, but you know, at the end of the day, that, that act, the actual act of like our job is, is very much alone. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head and, I think that's why track and field, although it's so brutal and, and and it can be so it's so good to watch and be a part of, and I love this sport with all my heart. Like it's taken me to some amazing places around the world. I've met some brilliant people and some of the some of the best friends that I've ever ever going to have, and that will stay friends with me for the rest of my life. You're not one of those people. Don't get don't get too excited. I was going to say really. like I'm, <laughs> I'm going to stop competing. Yes, as soon as I don't need a roommate anymore, you're gone. I'll go to text you. I'll get you. I'll see your retirement tweet, and then I'll, I'll go to text you. Say, "Oh, happy retirement!" This no, this number is no longer in service. <laughs> Just never <laughs> see, never see your number, never to be heard from again. But uh, yeah, that's why we love track and field, and obviously, mental the mental side of it is super important to get right. But if you do, and sport in general, it's it can it can really change your life, and that's why I love what we do, sure. and I'm super privileged to and to do it. So. And just a quick one, you know, how there's some of the stuff that you've learned um, with regards to, you know, being mentally strong and looking after your mental health on the track. How do you mm -hmm. take that to the other aspects of your life? You know, is there anything there that you've, you find, you know, what you've learned by doing this obviously incredibly um, intense and pressurized sport? Do you find that any of that kind of correlates and, and, and rather, you know, translates into other aspects of your life? Yeah, well, I think for, to do what we do anyway, you have to have that that determination and that grit and you have to be mentally strong anyway. And and for me, it almost works the other way around. To get my track and field better, it works 
making sure my life is is good first, making sure I'm mentally good in my everyday mm. life, making sure I'm getting into good habits, making sure I'm not getting lazy, I'm not dirty, I'm clean, I'm, I tidy up, I, I eat well, I, I sleep well, I live well. And that sort of stuff then I can take onto the track and then make sure I'm doing every rep. I'm not getting lazy with my running. I'm not I'm not just like, oh, I can't be bothered to do that today. Because oh. if, if you don't do the work, no one else is going to do it for you. And it's so easy, but especially when you're training alone, to just think, oh, do you know what? Oh, I'll do nine reps of that. I'll do, I'll do eight reps of that when, when actually you've got 10, 11, 12 reps to do. So it's like, I think the, to get your mind right and stuff on, in life first is more important. And that then helps me in my job um, for me, which is not the same for everyone, but that's how I found it works for me. What about yourself? Do you, what do you uh, take from track to your, to your life that sort of helps you, I guess, to, to sort of be the better, better posse that you, you can be? Yeah, I think what you said there is really, I think really such a good point, like structure and making sure that you're looking after yourself, you know, in, in everything allows you to kind of have the energy and, and I suppose mm-hmm. the, the mentality to get the most out of yourself in, in more challenging tasks. So, yeah, I think I think that's a really good one. I think, um, you know, what we were just talking about with regards to, to kind of keeping balance and not getting too carried away when things are good and, and um, not too low when, when things are bad, I think... And now because of my athletics and my experiences, I'd say I'm much more balanced when I approach everything. I'm much more thoughtful because I know the planning that goes into being an athlete. You know, I know the way um, all the all the work, all the preparation work that goes into giving a 13 second performance, you know, on a given day, once every four years, for example, or yeah. you know, whatever it is. And I know the planning that goes into preparing for a specific event. Um and I think, therefore, you know, when I when I look at everything else I do um, in in life, whether it be um, you know friendships, relationships, um, you know, with with all kind of different kinds of people, whether it be business relationships or um, you know anything, I think I'm much more um, thoughtful and and kind of well planned out, really. Um, and I think you know what you said, I think was great as well. Looking after everything you know in order to to kind of have the energy and the the mentality to you know focus on more difficult things i think that's you know a great piece of advice really that everyone can um can do and can relate to brilliant Uh, yeah i think that's great this has been conversations in time with joe malone london and british gq for more conversations find us on acast